0: Rick was talking about just writing those words down. And why is it important to write words down? Well, if it is important enough for God to speak it to you, it has to do with fulfilling your assignment. It has to do with walking through maybe wherever season that you're in right now. Don't take don't take the personal things that you're hearing from God for granted. You know, um, I would encourage you, go back to this past Wednesday night, go online, and we started a series on hearing God, and, and, and we started laying a foundation on hearing God, and it's his desire that he wants to speak personally, directly to each one of our lives because he has, he has places that he wants to take you in your life. You know, this year is about the faithful will flourish and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. And that word flourish is to increase. It means to to thrive. It means to go to another level in your life. So to realize and get a hold of the fact that the words that God wants to speak to you is about taking you to places of flourishing. You know, one of our scriptures that we've gone to throughout this year, really uh, about this is Psalms 92. And we started a series a few weeks ago uh, on being planted. And it says here in Psalms 92, verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree and he shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Now, think about this for a moment. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Two things you need to see with this. That God's desire is one that, that you would be planted. That you would flourish like the palm tree, meaning, meaning he wants you, and the word flourish, well, I've talked about this definition, is to break out, break out in blossom, break out in bud, right? Meaning I'm, 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 I'm in one state, but I'm breaking out into something else. And, and, and that's what I just I see about this church. And I see in our personal lives, I even see it in my own life that, that there's, there's seasons, there's, there, that we're breaking into our most fruitful season we've ever been in, been. Amen. You are stepping into your most fruitful season. You're step, I, I prophesy that over every, where you're stepping into your most fruitful season. Because it says, it says here, they'll flourish like a palm tree, meaning, meaning you're gonna come to a place where you're gonna break through and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna abound. You're gonna break through and you're in the season where you're breaking through to your most fruitful season. Then it says that you'll be planted like the cedar in Lebanon. What does that mean? Not only just you're going to be established, but what it, you have to realize that you have an assignment to finish. Every seed that, that, that you plant has an assignment on it. When God established and created the heavens and the earth, and it said he placed in the earth every herb bearing seed. And it said every seed would be within itself. Meaning when God planted a seed, it's seed that would have assignment for it to produce and for it to increase. Now, now now let me take it a step further and just let's think about just the cedar in Lebanon. A lot of times we read scriptures and we can we'll just stay right in that right with the idea of that scripture. But think about a tree for a moment. Trees have destiny. Trees have purpose in them. So, a tree, what can a, what can a tree provide? It provides nitrogen for the soil. It also provides oxygen that we breathe. Think about a cedar. Think about if you, you know, what is a cedar? A cedar, cedar can build a house. It can, it can make a home. It can, you know, we get paper from, from trees. So, so what do you realize is, is the purpose that God has for you is more than what you realize. I know, I know that's kind of like an abstract thought, but understanding that we're to be flourished like a palm tree. And we're to be like a cedar in Lebanon. We have purpose in us that this world needs. You have something in you that God has deposited on the inside of you that needs to be released in the world that you're in. So don't see yourself as something that's insignificant, something that's just just barely getting by, or just something that's enough. Because if all you do is see yourself as just barely getting by, then that's all you'll ever be. As a man thinks in his heart so is he. If you continue to think that you're a failure, so are you. So, so what we as a church and, and what our destiny is here at Heritage of Faith is about making winners in life. And what Dr. Savell myself, leadership here is to plant the seeds in you for you not to live in your past, but to, but to, but to persevere in your present, to take you to your desired future. The desired future that God has for you. He doesn't desire, He doesn't desire for the seeds that He plants to not fulfill their assignment. He doesn't desire for the seeds that you sow, whether financially, whether whether whether, whether your destiny to 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 lie dormant. That's right. Amen. He wants your life to flourish. I want, I don't like using necessarily this, I want your mind, I'm not going to use negative terminology here, but I want your mind to expand in such a way that you totally get excited about your future. You see, if we just go through day in and day out life, when we just we come to church and we we do our tithes and offerings, we sow our seeds or we do this, we come out and serve. And what happens is you can get into a rut, so to speak, of just going through life when God wants you to be passionate about your life. So I want to stir up a passion on the inside of you that you're created for so much more. Amen. That's what you talking about the spirit of God being here. Anytime the spirit of God comes on the scene, it's never to leave you the way you were. It's to either make you free it's to give you direct. Anytime the spirit of God showed up in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, it was to give them direction for their future. It was to set them free in their present, to give them direction in their future. Anytime the Spirit of God that you see from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, if you're looking at Genesis chapter one, it said darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what? The Holy Spirit hovered. That's right. Come on, Pastor. So when God said, Light be, what do He do? He took care of the current condition of chaos and He gave direction, Light be. So anytime the Spirit of God, Anytime you get in the word of God and the spirit of God is illuminating his word is to do two things is to bring freedom to your present to give you direction for your future. We should never stay the same a year from now. We should not be the same as individuals. We should not be the same as a church. Why? Because because God has given us a word and it's to free us in our present to carry us to our future. And what, what's going to be deposited and what has been deposited, you know, by the Holy Spirit over the last several weeks about being planted is about fulfilling your assignment. Yes. Let's go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I'm not taking a lot of time to review. I just need to deposit just a couple of these principles. John chapter 12. Thank you, Father. Verse 23, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. If we look down at verse 27, it's Jesus says, now is my soul troubled and which shall I say, say, father, save me from this hour. But he just said, my hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Meaning, meaning, I came here and, and why I came here was for such a time as this. I'm, I'm in a season, Joseph, is right now is, is my time to be glorified. Meaning, meaning, the reason why I came is right now. And I want, I want to encourage you in the, on on God's timetable, now is the time for each one of us to be glorified. Now is the time for us to take a step up in our calling, in our purpose, and what God's called us to do in our, in our families, with our children, in our communities, in our church, in our, in, 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 in our, in our total life. Is it, it now is the time that God wants to glorify you. What does glorify? It means to lift up to another level. Bring to fulfillment. So he says, now is my soul trouble. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I. For this cause came I unto this hour. You're not, you are not born by accident. It doesn't matter how many accidents you might have feel like you've made in the past, but you have a purpose. If you're still breathing and you're still you're still living, I'm telling you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Lay hold of it this morning. So Jesus in verse 24 says, Verily I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So here, Jesus is talking about a seed. He's talking about himself. He's saying, you know what? You know, in in order for God to glorify me, I need to deposit myself. I need to plant myself. Because when I plant myself, I'll fulfill and I'll bring forth much fruit. See, you know, I, I've used a statement over the last weeks that there's, there's a lot of seeds in churches. Week after week, seeds are going to churches. Born again people going to churches, but they haven't planted themselves yet. And I'm talking about just being planted in this church. I'm talking about being planted in the kingdom of God where you're saying, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. It's not about my way, but it's about your way. It's not about my plan anymore. It's about your plan. It's not about, it's not about how, how bad I've been, but it's how good you've been. And it's about the plan that you have for my life. But you know what? You have to, we have to come to a place where you say, God, I plant my life. I plant my life. If any man, verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So how do we die, so to speak? Jesus is talking of himself. It's found in following him. Following is the currency of discipleship. Following is what causes me to be something that I couldn't be on my own. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Jesus told the disciples, said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I don't have time to go back and review everything, but get on the assignment for this morning. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Say good works. Good works. Yeah. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Yes. You know, get, get an idea of this. That, that He's the potter, and we're the clay, and He's fashioning yeah. something. And he's fashioning something that is named Rochelle. There's no one else like Rochelle. She's one of a kind. She was fearfully and wonderfully made. Created in his likeness and his image. He knows things about Rochelle that Rochelle doesn't even know about herself. He he even sees that as he's shaping, he goes, she's created for this. And then he starts speaking and said, she's created for this. Oh, and he says, yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of that too. And yeah, you know what? And she's going to do that. You know what? And she's going to touch that person and, and she's going to affect that life. And, and see, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus and, and to good works. We were created for good works. Good works. The, the word good there is beneficial. It's useful. It's excellent, it's distinguished. Man, you, you're, you're created to be distinguished. Amen. You, you're created to be excellent. You're created. That's why, that's why we want to, as a church, be excellent. Why? Because it's, it represents what God and who God is and, and what God is. It, it's beneficial. The word works there is either acts or deeds. So you're created for distinguished Deeds, distinguished acts. You're created for useful, beneficial acts and deeds. I mean, you were created to do something that would, be, that would benefit the world you're in. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. That word ordained there is prepared. Which God hath before prepared that we should walk in them he's prepared you for something that you may not even know what it is yet a lot of times we go through life and just going through mo- the motions of life and we you'll, and a lot of people will never tap into what they were prepared for because they didn't plant themselves Thank you for a couple of amens there. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's kind of like we go through, we work Monday through Friday, and you hear that statement, I'm living for the weekend. (laughs) And most of the time, they're not talking about church on Sunday. You know, I'm living for the, if I could just get to the weekend and and, and and you plan out all these things for the weekend and how much fun you're going to have on the weekend and what you're going to do on the weekend and and this on the weekend and, and this on the weekend. And, and what happens? You can go through 10, 20, 30, 40 years and you're like, where did my life go? And all I did was just this because all you did was live for the weekend. All he did was live for the next high, the next relationship, the next, the next thing, but yet but all the time out. All, all the while on the inside of you, your destiny's crying out. All the while on the inside of you, that's why so many people have no direction and have so many voids in their lives because, because they never have tapped into what they've been truly prepared for. But you're his workmanship. You're his personal personal. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Say, I'm created created for good works. works. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm distinguished. distinguished. (laughs) Look to the other side and say, you need me. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm useful, I'm useful. Say uh, you need me because I'm useful, and I'm beneficial. And I'm beneficial. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> before we read Matthew, uh, let, let's, I just want to look at a, just actually Matthew four twenty-five real quick before we get to chapter five. It says, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, which is 10 cities around, and from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set. Anytime you see the word set, it means an appointed place, and it's a place that you've been called to. So here it says, and he and he was set. His disciple, he was set. The disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and he taught them. So Jesus is here by divine assignment, because he was set there. The disciples came unto him. Now, if you look at Luke six and look at this, this Luke's version of this. We see where it talks about a mixed multitude. It talked about people from Tyre and Sidon. It talked about um, people coming because they were curious, people coming because they wanted healing. And, And so we really don't know actually how many people necessarily he's talking about. Some people think he's just talking about the 12 disciples. We don't really know that for sure because Jesus didn't even give us the 12 disciples until Matthew chapter 10. So we don't really know what disciples or what multitude are sitting here, even though it says he's talking to his disciples. But Jesus is here, he's sat there, and the people had come unto him from all different backgrounds. Some of them are are mixed breeds, some of them have have different mindsets, some of them are different religions, some of them are all sort of different types of peoples and backgrounds that that we don't don't know necessarily all their nationalities. But God is speaking, I'm saying this because God is not speaking just to Jewish people here. Even though, even though Jesus goes on and he talks to them and says that I've been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But understand, he's talking to really humanity as, as a whole, okay? Now, Jesus, get, let's go to verse 13. And he says, makes a statement, he goes, you are the salt of the earth. Now look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. Say these, say these phrases to me. You are the salt of the earth. Say that. And say, I am, the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, get this Jesus, get, get this picture of it. Jesus has the audacity, he has the wherewithal to sit down and talk to people that were just common, ordinary folk. These weren't people, these weren't leaders. These weren't heads of Congress. These weren't people heads of state. These were people that didn't really have the ability to change laws. These were just a mixed multitude of people. And Jesus has the audacity to say, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. You see, if we're not careful, we can hear statements like this and, and talk about being planted, but yet we'll see ourselves as maybe that's only for that person or that's only for this person or I really couldn't do that or I'll never be that or I could never be this. But Jesus is speaking to the destiny of ordinary common Everyday people. And he's saying, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Meaning there's something in you that is going to change, alter and affect the world around you. He's telling them, I see. He goes, he goes, I'm speaking to the things in you that you don't know are in you. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. I want you to say this to me. I got good things in me. Hallelujah. See, you need to embrace the fact that you need to embrace the fact of what God has called you. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. You are not just everyday, ordinary people. But you are created for good works. And you're created to influence the world around you. If we stayed a little longer reading in, in John chapter 12, if you keep reading, Jesus goes ahead and prophesies about himself and it says, it says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto himself. In the next, the next verse, he, he talks about being the light of the world and it says, those that believe on me will be children of light. So not only is Jesus prophesying in John 12 about planning himself, but the ultimate fulfillment is the fact that, that I'm going to die and, and people that believe on me are now going to be children of light. I want you to know, if you're born again, you are a children. You are a child of light. You are salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 here, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Think about it. A city that is on, set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle... And put it under a bushel, put it on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Now, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. You can't put, don't put your light under a bushel. You know the song, you know, blow it out. You, You can't put it under a bushel. You're a city set on a hill. But often we try to cover our light because we think our light is insignificant. But you're created to make great impact in this world. The light of the world. Jesus referred, it's referred in John chapter 1, I believe verse 4. Jesus says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. So let, let's mix that scripture around like this. You are life to the world. A life lived out in the open can't be hidden. Don't take your life and put it under a bushel, but put your life on a stand so you can give life to all that are around you. Let your life so shine before men that they may see your life and that your life would cause them to see God. Because that's what it says here. It says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let your life shine before men, that they may see your good works, and, and see it 's the things that are happening through your life that will cause other people to glorify God. don 't see yourself as insignificant. Listening to a a leadership training and and I uh, wasn't gonna I just felt my heart to share the story because the the moral of the story has to do with something specific in leadership. But as I was just as I was about to come out this morning, I just wanted to just share the story because it has to do with significance. You know, there was a young man. We'll call a man. He was a young executive at an office, and and he was. Um, he was, uh, let's see, he'd been there for a number of years, and, and he, uh, he came into the office one day, and the CEO was getting up in age, and he wanted to, he wanted to select his next CEO. And so he called all the, the young executives in, and he, he called them all in, and he said, A year from now, I'm going to select my next CEO, the one that's going to take my place. And he handed them all one seed. Joe's shaking his head. and hey, I know He listened to the same thing. And so he, he handed them all this seed, this one seed. And so, so here, here uh, you know, I forgot what Joe, whatever his name is, goes back and he goes home. He buys a pot. He gets the soil and he, plant, he plants the soil. He's watering the soil every day after day. He's looking, at, he's looking at this. A week goes by, two weeks go by, six weeks go by, eight weeks go by. And you know what? He is, nothing is happening yet. Nothing's happening yet. He's like, man. Man, let's see. And he's going into the office and all these people are talking about how how their seed is flourishing and how some of them have fruit and some of them have flowers and and some of them have started growing trees and, and all things out of their pot. And he's like, man, I've got this one seed and nothing's happened. And here it is. It's been almost a year. And here all he has is a pot with a seed in it. And he's... And, and, he, and his, he, you know what, he was like, I, I don't want to take an empty, I don't want to take a, an empty pot, a pot with just a seed in it. I just don't want to to have, take that into the CEO because I believe I'm, I'm supposed to do this. I believe God called me to, to be a part of this this organization and lead this organization. And, and and he's thinking about everything that everyone else is saying and how successful they are. And he goes in and, and, and it was on that day, it was judgment day. And he, he didn't want to go, but his wife said, you know what, you, you need, you just need Need, need to go and take your empty pot and he said okay he took his empty pot and and he walks in and he's holding his pot and he's walking around and man he sees everyone else's pots it's like a rainforest compared to what he has and and he's sitting there and he's standing in the back in the corner and and he kind of feels like everyone's talking about him and everyone's making fun of him and and he's just he's just standing in the back against the wall and just hoping hope i hope the boss doesn't see me He's just standing in the back. I hope he doesn't see me. You know, there's no way I'm going to be his CEO because I couldn't even grow a seed. How can I grow a company? He's standing there and, and, uh, with his pot and all of a sudden the CEO comes in and, and everyone welcomes them. And, and all of them are looking around and they're just excited and, he look, and the CEO's looking around and seeing everything and, and as, he, as, as the CEO stands steps up to the, the podium or whatever, he, he calls Joe. Joe, come here. And he's going, oh no. Oh, no. And he goes, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to be fired because I couldn't grow a seed. And, and he comes up, and, and he stands next to, next to the CEO, and he's standing there, and he's just not sure what's going to happen. And, and the CEO says, tells everybody, he goes, I want, to welc- I want you to welcome your new CEO, Joe. And Joe's like, I couldn't grow a seed. He's thinking of all these things. And, and the CEO said, a year ago I asked you to gave you a seed and asked you to grow a seed but what I didn't tell you is I boiled your seeds. And you can't grow boiled seeds. And so here everyone else went out bought different <laughs> seeds. Because they couldn't get they couldn't get it to grow and because because that it wasn't they, their seed wasn't flourishing they had a counterfeit seed. They they didn't so so here what happened was is because of what was on the inside of Joe that no one else could see, caused him to flourish, when everybody could see. And so we have to get to a place where we're not judging our lives based on what other people are doing, because you have light in you, you have salt in you. You have something extraordinary in you. So you need to be proud of the light that's in you. You need to be proud of the salt that's in you. And you need to lift your light high because when you lift your light high and you know who you are in God, it will draw people to God. You know what? Go to Isaiah 53. You see, we put our light under a bushel. Why? When we think our light is insignificant. We try to hide our light if we think it's insignificant. But you are not an insignificant seed. You are not an insignificant light. Do you realize Jesus started off as something insignificant? Think about it for a moment. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 says, And there came forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Let's look at Isaiah 53. Verse 2. For the servant of God grew up before him, before God, like a tender plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, no royal or kingly pomp, that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. Now think about This is talking about Jesus. And it says he was just a tender root. Isaiah 11 says it's just a root. Just kind of out of the stem of Jesse. Just a little old root. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 5. I'm showing you this for a purpose. Because I want to understand. Is, is Jesus didn't start off. The way he ended. He started off as a man just like you and I and he, it was a time where he was just a tender root where people looked down on him because he didn't look kingly yeah. because he wasn't what everyone thought he should be and I want you to know don't allow any person, anyone to look down on you because God knows more about you than anyone else knows about you and so with this morning I want, I want to draw purpose out of you I, I want you to see that, that, that where you are right now is not your ending Revelation chapter 5 Verse five, get this. We just talked about Jesus being a tender plant. And one of the elders said unto me, weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. So so what began as a tender root ended up becoming the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, there's a time that yes, you might be a seed just planting yourself, but there's also a time that you're gonna rise that you're gonna that you're gonna rise and you're gonna be you're gonna be the the one that God called you to be. You're you're gonna be the light that God called you to be. So don't look at yourself in, in situations of insignificance, because you ha- you are light and you are salt. You know what? Jesus never told them that they had to become salt and they had to become light. That's right. He said you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. He wasn't saying, okay, you'll become... No, this is what you are. Whether you see it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether it's a revelation or not, this is what you are. Look at your neighbor and say, I am light. I am light. Look at the other side and say, I am sought." I am salt. Amen. Hallelujah. Go to, go to Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And the enemy wants to trip you up, and he wants to do everything in his power to keep you from receiving what you are. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. He said, then the Lord, actually verse five, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated you and set you apart. I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Man, man, think about that. You're his workmanship. He prepared, just like he had prepared something beforehand for Jeremiah, he's prepared something beforehand for you. Verse 6, Then said I, O Lord, behold, I cannot speak. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am only a youth. Now, see, here God is coming to him and saying, I've ordained you to be a prophet. i separated you to be a prophet. And so in, in Jeremiah's mind, he's young and he's like, He's like, how can this be? How can, because he, he says, I can't speak. Prophets are supposed to speak, and I can't speak. I want to ask you a question. What are your most, what, what statements are your biggest limitations? What statements are your biggest limitations? Because there's things we say about ourselves that aren't leading us towards our future, but they're limiting us in our present. Here, Jeremiah, what God had called him from his mother's womb, he called him to be a prophet to the nations. And and Jeremiah's first thing, behold, I can't speak. What's trying to limit you? See, there was something on the inside of him that caused him to think I'm insignificant. See, it didn't matter what God said. It was what he thought. And it's the same thing with us. It doesn't matter what God says. You know what? We're going to limit him by what we think. Thank you, Vic. I'm telling you, it, your, your thought processes are either making you or they're breaking you. So he says, I cannot speak for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, but the Lord said to me, say not, I am only a youth. For you should go to all to whom I shall send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. You see, when you understand God is on your side, and you understand God is with you, it doesn't matter what natural limitations you might have. When he touches your natural, it changes your natural, and you allow his supernatural to take you to another level. When God touched his mouth, it didn't matter what Jeremiah thought about it anymore, See, when you allow God to touch your life, it's not about you being salt and you being light in yourself, but it's about when you allow God to touch your life, that brings about change to everyone and everything around you. Verse 10, see, I have this day appointed you oversight of the nations and of the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Verse 11, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, I see a branch or a shoot of an almond tree, the emblem of alertness with activity, blossoming in late winter. There's not a whole lot of things that blossom in late winter. Verse 12 says, then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I'm alert and active, watching watching over my word to perform it. Meaning that even though you're in the latter part of winter, you see a blossom taking place. Why? Because God is going to watch over his word to perform it. Whatever God's called you to do, it doesn't matter if you're in winter or not. God's going to watch over his word to perform it. It doesn't matter what it might look like right now. It doesn't change the fact that you are salt and that you are light and you're created to impact and change the world around you. Let's look at Isaiah chapter... Uh, Forty-nine, And we, we were in this chapter last week. Do not see yourself as insignificant. You're not an insignificant light. Amen. For you are children of light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And I want to read this in the message. I read this last week and keyed off it a little bit. Look at this verse one in the message. You can look up at the screens if you don't have a message with it with you. He says, Listen, far flung islands. Pay attention, far away people. God put me to work from the day I was born. The moment I entered the world, he named me. He gave me speech that would cut and penetrate. He kept his hand on me to protect me. He made me his straight arrow and hid me in his quiver. Remember last week, we talked about a polished arrow. You know what? He, we've been in preparation. And we're in his quiver, ready for what? For God to release us. You see, I, I declare that God wants to release you into your destiny. He's, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to plant yourself. Plant yourself in him. Plant yourself in his word. Because he wants to release you to affect and change the, and alter the world around you. Hallelujah it says he said to me, "You're my dear servant, Israel, through whom I'll shine, and you're my servant in whom I'll shine." Verse four, "But I said, "But I have said, I've worked for nothing. I have nothing to show for a life of hard work." That man has such a thought of insignificance. I've worked for nothing. All the hard work I've done, what do I show for it? Nothing. Tell me, this is how the enemy works. He wants you to feel insignificant. Amen. He wants you to feel something other than the way God sees you. But then he says, nevertheless. See that that needs to be your anytime the enemy comes at you with, with what you're not, say, nevertheless. I'll let God have the last word. I'll let him pronounce his verdict. And now God says, this God who took me in hand from the moment of birth to be his servant, to bring Jacob back home to him, to set a reunion for Israel. What an honor for me in God's eyes that God should be my strength. He says, but that's not big enough for my servant just to recover the tribes of Jacob, merely to round up the strays of Israel. I'm setting you up as light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. And get a hold of that. I'm setting you up for a light to the nations. Yes. <laughs> so this salvation yes. becomes global. Amen. God has made you sought and made you light. So his salvation can go global. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 13 and I'll start closing with this. Acts chapter 13. You're not insignificant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hmm. What caused Jesus to go from a tender plant to the lion of the tri- tribe of Judah? God was with him. God was with him. <laughs> Thank you, Father. He actually says, The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone. What caused Jeremiah to, to go from someone that was young, who had fear, was afraid of people's faces, didn't want to be a prophet? What caused him? He says, God says, "I'll be with you," and he touched his mouth. What caused the disciples to go from unlearned? Acts four says this was people's perspective about them. What caused them from go to unlearned, ignorant men? to Acts chapter 17 where it says, these are they that turned the world upside down have come here also. See, a lot of perceptions in the world can change in 13 chapters. They went from unlearned, ignorant men to these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. What was, what was the difference? What causes you to go from just ordinary to extraordinary? What causes you to, to being planted to flourishing? What causes you from going from poverty to, to prosperity? What causes you go to, to go from one degree of glory to another? It is God's hand on your life. It is the presence of God. You know, that's why Jesus told the disciples he, in, in Luke chapter 4, after they had really received him and, and understood that he died for them, he said, now go to Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. And Acts chapter one said, it, says, it tells them again: Go to Jerusalem and tell power till you receive power from on high, and you'll be what witnesses. Meaning, when this power comes on you, you'll be witnesses. When this power comes on you, you'll be witnesses. When this power comes on you, you're going to testify of something. When this power comes on you, when people look at you, they're going to see something different. When, when this power comes on you, they're going to see you. And they're not going to see you the way they always saw Rick or how they saw Cassie. They're not going to see you as they, they saw always saw. Why? There's something different. There's something different about them. What does it say in Acts 4 after it says they were unlearned, ignorant men? It said they could tell that they had been with Jesus. What makes you extraordinary? What's gonna cause you to grow up as a tender plant and be like a lion? Proverbs says, The righteousness are as bold as a lion. What's gonna change you from being just a timid person to someone that has confidence? to stand before and, and, call, and, and say like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's someone that's been with Jesus, someone that's been with God, someone that's been with his word, someone that's filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, not just to say, hey, we, we speak with tongues. No, you're filled with the Holy Spirit so we could illuminate light to the greatest degree we could to this world. In Acts chapter 13, I'm reading the Amplified. Verse 47. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For so the Lord has charged us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul, he's reading Isaiah 49. He's declaring Isaiah 49. For so the Lord has charged us, saying, I have set you to be a light for the Gentiles. I've placed you. I have precisely put you in position to be light. Paul's saying, you know why we're doing what we're doing? Why we're taking the gospel to the Gentiles? Because God set me here. God planted me here. Paul saying, because God planted me here to reach the Gentiles, I'm going to flourish, and I'm going to complete what God planted me here for. For so the Lord has charged us, saying, I have set you to be a light for the nations, the heathen. Now, this, listen to this. So that you may bring salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. He set them. He set them for two things. He set them so they would be light. And he set them so they would be salvation to the ends of the earth. He set them to be light. And Jesus told the disciples and told you and I, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And he's saying, I've set you. In 2017, I've set you. I've set you in the workplace I've called you. I've set you in the business I've called you into. I've set you in the church I've called you to. I've set you in the community I've called you to. So you could be light in darkness. And so you could bring salvation. So you could bring peace. So you could bring deliverance. So you could bring joy. I'm telling you, you are and we are created for good works. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. See, there's a lot of bad going on outside in the world today, right? We need to be examples of good works. Good works. We need to release light. You have light on the inside of you. That's why our motorcycle ministry is chariots of light. (laughs) Amen. He set us here in Crowley, Texas, so we could be light and we could be salvation to this community. That's why we're here. Don't put your light under a bushel. Someone needs to see. Someone needs to see hope in someone maybe you'll be the only example of hope they'll ever see maybe you'll be the only sense of peace they'll ever see when when i talk about light it, it it's light is it emanates it it's there's things that come off of light heat come off of light there's things that come off of light there's different things and, and, and so when I talk about that we're light meaning there's things in us that will change people's darkness we talk about how do we release light how about this love I mean let's, let's be love and love doesn't mean we accept wrong things. It just it just lets us know we love people that don't know any better. That's right. Love. What, when we talk about light, it's it's peace. Think about the fruit of the spirit. When you when you operate in the fruit of the spirit, what you're doing is you're releasing light into your circumstance. You're releasing light into your family. See, a lot of times when pressure coming in, that's darkness coming in, what happened? The fruit of the spirit of self-control can kick in. And light dispels darkness. Light. Gentleness, meekness, self-control. Joy. Joy is light. You're created for something extraordinary. Don't hide your light under a bur- bushel. Plant yourself. Plant yourself in his kingdom. And I'm telling you, God has extraordinary things that he wants to release through your life. Everyone, stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in our hearts as individuals, as a church body. The Spirit of God brings light into our life. Ultimately to give us freedom, give us direction, but also it's to bring light into someone else's life. As a body, let's make it a practice to release good works, to release good things. into the world around us. Because what you release and what we release into someone's, someone else's life might be the very thing that draws them into the kingdom of God. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and your good works would cause them to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. just ministering to hearts. There's someone here this morning, you're you're battling with a lot of anger and hatred. And you know you have a calling on your life. You know you were created for an amazing purpose. What I hear the Lord speaking in my heart is just saying, release it. Release it so I can flood you with light. Release it so I can flood you with my life. Just pain or emotional torment. There's just different things I'm just seeing in, in my heart. Just there's, there's this almost like a... Um, Kind of, like, a like a, almost a chain around your neck, this uh, this torment of this emotional thing, and 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 because there's some things that you won't release or you won't let go of. And I hear, hear him say, Release it, and I will flood you with light. What's hindering you? What's holding you back from what you know God has spoken over your life? Is it fear? Is it failure? What I keep hearing in my heart is release it and let me flood you with light. Let me flood you. See, the enemy wants to come in and control your life. But Isaiah 59 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. When you release what the enemy's holding you back from, it causes him to come in like a flood. Come in like a flood. Allow him to come into your heart like a flood this morning. Allow him to come into your mind like a flood this morning. Allow him to come in and 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 wash you from the inside out. Allow him to purify. Allow him to create in you a clean heart, a new heart. Also, here, there, where, where there was a time where you used to have a passion, there was a hunger that you had, but you were hurt by pastors. You were hurt in ministry. You were hurt by other people. What I hear the Lord saying release it and let me flood you with life. Let me flood you with light and let me produce within you the passion that you once had. Flood this place, Father flood every heart in this place every mind every, every flood every soul in this place every mind will and emotion flood it with your presence that every spirit man in the on the inside in the inside of this place would would abound and overflow that we would be filled to the full there was a time in, in Acts chapter uh, 4 when the disciples, that they were beaten and they were, they were whipped and they were put in chains and, and when they were released and they were told no longer to speak in that name it said that they were they were, uh, were burdened but they said we, we return to our own company. They returned to their own company and when they got to their company and they, they came together in a corporate setting and they were together and they prayed they said, said Lord, l- l- Father we, we pray, Father we lift up our servants that with all boldness, Father, by signs and wonders, that they may be healed by the holy child Jesus. That, that as they prayed one for another, as they prayed as a church body, and it said the very place was shaken and, and they were revived and they were refreshed. So, Father, I just thank you for just a reviving and refreshing, a refreshing over this place today. A reviving of purpose, a reviving of dreams, a revival of calling, a revival in marriages, revival, Father, revival. Thank you, Father, that the scriptures we would hunger for once more, that, that our passion, Father, would burn for you. Our, our, our hearts would burn for the lost, Father. Hallelujah. That as a church, Father, we would burn with your passion for this community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you've set us in Crowley, Texas. You've set us. Hallelujah. In our families, and our workplaces, to be light. Hallelujah. And to be salvation, Father. Hallelujah. Remove away all the dross, so to speak, the things that hinder, the things that, that keep us back, Father. Lord, I I know we're cleansed by your grace. I know we're cleansed by your grace. And and even Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that, that we plan ourselves and we embrace, Father, your grace, Lord. For us to do things we can't do in our own ability. Your grace to flood our lives that in the midst of difficult times, we're strong. In the midst of weaknesses, we're strong. Thank you, Father. Flood this place. Flood every heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Release. 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 Hallelujah. Release. Release Release any and all unforgiveness. Release it. Ero Bogosho coated at a Gele Monda Rebasso coated at a bayer, Ero Bogosho coated at a basse eater Randele Catushto Cool Salamando Rushdiki Baptized with Holy Ghost and fire. Baptized with Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost and fire. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit work. Holy Spirit work in this place. Jesus, thank you for healing hearts this morning, Father. Thank you for reviving dreams. Thank you for doing a work in each one of us. I thank you that he that began a good work will complete it. Repeat this after me. I am his workmanship. I am his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Unto good, good works. That he has prepared, he has prepared beforehand, beforehand. For, me. for me. Go do good works. Give him a shout of praise if you believe that. A, yeah. Hallelujah.